Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative to this guy for wisdom. Well, I'm expecting, we're expecting uh, the announcement of the indictment at any moment. Uh, Captain, keep an eye on that periodically as we go through the show today. Apparently, they're all having dinner. I'm sure uh, taxpayer-funded dinners tonight. I'm sure they're having really nice steaks uh, to ensure they get their verdict. But actually, we knew the indictment was coming because the Google, uh, the Georgia court website, I mean, you won't believe that the Georgia court website actually posted, posted, uh, the docket of the potential Trump charges in this probe earlier today. It's So the official court website posted it, which tells you what? They have all the indictments ready to go before the grand jury's even voted. So it's a scam. This is a banana republic we're living in. This is an absolute farce. It's a travesty of justice. There is no justice here. So before the grand jury even met and heard the final arguments, before the grand jury even voted to indict, the Georgia court uploaded the indictments on the site. Oops, and it was a mistake. Now they're trying to backtrack. This was circulated, it was picked up by Reuters first, and four hours after this happened, you have this pathetic, pathetic excuse, lie, actually, is what it is, from the Fulton County, of course, the most corrupt county in Georgia, the Fulton County Clerk's Office. Here's the statement, are you ready? Uh, a fictitious, a, a ficti fictitious document that has been circulated online and reported by various media outlets. They warned about, right? So they issued a statement warning of a fictitious document that has been circulated online. and They act like it wasn't the court itself in Fulton County that uploaded it. Oh, there's just this fictitious document out there. I mean, this is grounds to have this case totally thrown out and dismissed. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing that something like this happened because honestly, it's kind of like a godsend because right in front of our faces, what are we witnessing? The absolute farce that all of this is. They're ready to go. And I'll get into all of this in a minute. We'll talk about it. I'm sure they're going to indict. You know, grand juries, as I've said, you can indict a ham sandwich. You know, the thing is, the grand jury system is uh, irrevo irrevocably broken. It can't be saved. It's a, it's, it's been destroyed, corrupted by the left, right? I mean, this is going to happen in any country when you have a constitution, when you have laws. It doesn't prevent Napoleon, doesn't pre prevent Caesar, doesn't prevent some dictator from showing up and abusing it. And that's what we have here. They realize the grand jury is a perfect resource. It can be corrupted because it's a prosecutor's dream. There's no defense. It's done in secret. And by the way, if these, if these Democrats are so confident that they have the goods, why do they constantly leak? Why are they leaking every single time with regard to these grand juries, grand jury settings, meetings, and so on and so forth? You know, this is the thing about the grand jury. It's supposed to be held in complete secrecy. That's the point. And yet none of this has been, has been secretive, has it, Captain? It's just a series of leaks. And you know what I noticed? So over the weekend, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth, by the way, if you're joining for the first time. We just have to get it hard today and get going. But I've noticed something that, that the left seems to do. I don't know if it's uh, accident, coincidence. I think it's intentional, but you can be guaranteed that ahead of every one of these phony indictments, uh, Jack Smith, the corrupt judges, they leak to the media, and the media leaks these stories ahead. So let me do it this way. Remember the Mar-a-Lago document case? Remember, ahead of that announcement of the 30 indictments or whatever it was, right? Ahead of that, you had the media, per Jack Smith, leaking that... They had audio, right? And they actually leaked the audio of Donald Trump talking to a group of individuals. I think it was in Bedminster, not Mar-a-Lago. But either way, he was at one of his clubs behind closed doors. And they were talking about, 
what was it? What was his name? D- Donald Trump's ah, Donald Trump's Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows, chief of staff, right? So Mark Meadows was writing this book. I mean, maybe it's out now. I don't know. But at the time he was working on this book and they were having this conversation uh, with these individuals uh, about different stories. And Donald Trump, of course, on the audio can be heard discussing uh, General Mark Milley's plans to attack Iran. Right. And this was a response to the fact that the media and Mark Milley just put out a story saying that Donald Trump had this plan to do. I mean, it was absurd. And, and, you know, he, he claimed to be, you know, in some capacity, whether it's true or misconstrued, that, you know, he had some classified document in front of him. Anyway, that wasn't even part of the case. But that was what the media leaked ahead of the announcement of the indictments. It's like they don't have anything, but the Democrats are determined to use leaks to try and convince the American people that this isn't a partisan witch hunt. This isn't like a Soviet-style show trial, which is what these are that they aren't just persecuting a political opponent for the first time in American history trying to jail the leading candidate of the GOP. They don't want, they don't want Americans to come to, to, to understand that that's what's really happening, those people that don't get it yet. So they come out with this stuff. And so what they did here is on Sunday, and I've got clips from on Sunday, you had the media announce that... that um, the Georgia prosecutors, well, they have texts and emails directly connecting members of Donald Trump's legal team to January 2021 voting system breach in Coffee County. Now, remember, insurrection, breach. Uh, I mean, you know, they just Trump-Russia collusion. What does it really mean in the aggregate? It doesn't mean anything. What was Trump-Russia collusion? Again, no one can define it. It's nebulous. It's vague. There's no crime there. It's this Absurd charge that Trump colluded with the Kremlin to steal the 2016 election. Same thing here. Donald Trump didn't commit a single crime. There is no breach in Coffee County. But this is the thing. I mean, and it's amazing. So cue up. We're going to go out of order here. Out of order here, Captain. And, I, you know, look, I, I, I don't really need to apologize. But as a figure of speech, I apologize. I'm talking really rapidly here. I want to get through this stuff. There's a ton to get to. So, uh, so that's what's happening here. Cue up cut six, Captain. This is on CNN. So I want you to listen to the big bombshell, the latest smoking gun from the left ahead of the announcement of the indictments that are probably taking place at any moment now. So here is, remember Trump-Russia collusion, right? You could turn on any left-wing network at any time. You could listen, whether it was Adam Schiff, whether it was some pundit, whether it was Jake Tapper, you name the liberal talking head. And they could never, ever describe Trump-Russia collusion, right? They could talk all day long about Trump-Russia collusion, and yet they could never, ever actually identify a crime. They couldn't make sense of it. And the same thing's happening here. This quote-unquote breach. Donald Trump committed no crime here, and you won't hear a single crime said. But the media, lockstep, is it's like, oh, he looked up at the sky, and they say it in such a way, and they report it in such a way that you're supposed to believe that there's something odd about this. Or something untoward about this action. So go ahead and play cut six, Captain. Listen to the big smoking gun. This is what should put Trump in jail. Go ahead, Captain. So walk us through kind of how this revelation, this reporting now coming out of Coffee County, kind of ties into what we are expecting um, this week, especially with kind of these smoking guns emerging uh, when it comes to what we think um, the Fulton County DA has possession of. Well, this, what we're hearing from Coffee County is one of several kind of threads that DA Willis could be looking at when it when it comes to what charges she could bring against former President Trump or any of his allies. So you have Coffee County, a Republican-leaning county. On the surface, you would think, why would Trump be concerned about the voter data there? Um, it's not a county where he feels like he should have won and he didn't. He carried Coffee County. But what he had in Coffee County were allies who were involved in elections who would give access. And so that's why Coffee County became so important to Donald Trump and his allies as they looked for evidence. We know that evidence did not exist, but they were looking for places where they could challenge 
they could get access that they felt could help them challenge the outcome of the election in Georgia. But again, Coffee County and that access that they were given to very sensitive private voter data that should never have been accessible to the public. It was made accessible. That's just one thread. The fake electors, another thread. The the um, threats okay. and abuse faced by former election workers, that's another thread. Not a single thing she listed there is a crime. I mean, this is absolutely nuts. I mean, obviously, if you're looking to gain access to systems that you believe are responsible for voter fraud and Democrats aren't going to allow you to do that because they're trying to cover it up, of course you're going to go to a ally, in this case, Coffee County. You're not going to get it in Fulton County. You're not going to get any participation or assistance by Democrats elsewhere. So, you know, so he was granted out. And this is the thing right here. here here's the big smoking. Just six days before they gained access Local elections official Misty Hampton, who is accused of helping with the breach, wrote and sent a written invitation to attorneys working for Trump. So she gave them permission to come in and look at these systems. And furthermore, it's Trump working with a legal team. So, you know, Trump, uh, you know, he's working with these people from Sullivan Strickler. This is the firm hired by Trump's attorneys to examine voting systems. There's nothing wrong with wanting to examine voting systems. You mean the same voting systems that prior to 2020, Democrats actually are the ones who said were responsible for changing votes that were hackable? And now all of a sudden, because Trump wants to look at some of these voting systems, and by the way, we should be doing that. This idea that the electronic voting system in America cannot be touched, cannot not be looked at by anyone except Dominion, for example. Can you imagine? You turn your entire election system over to a private company called Dominion. And they claim that no one can look at it. You can't see what we're doing. You can't see the, the intellectual property. You can't see what's going on under the hood. Nothing. You just have to trust us, Dominion Voting Systems, that everything is, is good. Have you heard of something so insane, Captain? This is the excuse you don't have permission to look at any of this. You just have to trust that these electronic voting systems that we are using in all 50 states and we're forcing down your throats that are making us billionaires. No, no, no. Just take it from us. Turn your, turn your democracy, your republic, over to a private entity called Dominion Voting Systems. My AWS on no over my dead body. And that's what we have here. So nothing happened here. This is an absolute joke. This is their smoking gun. And of course, this is a po- I mean, it's just... It's one thing after another with these people. And by the way, you know, these Democrats want to continue to say that, you know, we're the ones, we want civil war. The right is so violent. Yada, 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 yada. Well, actually, you know, I've got a story. I just saw this before I came on, Captain. Get this. Let me ask you a question just for fun because you're here, Captain. How many millions of Americans say violence is justified to keep Trump from power? So this is based on the University of Chicago study. You think it's 10 million or more than 10 million, Captain, Democrats, who say violence is justified to keep Trump from office? I'm going to say more than 10 million. All right. Less than 20 million or more than 20 million? Less than 20? 30 million Americans. 30 million psycho Democrats out there, according to this University of Chicago study, say violence is justified to keep Trump from power. I don't want to hear another word from the left accusing us of anything. The problem is these people use violence against us, knowing that we will sit there and take it and hide in a hole because they're going to accuse us. They'll gaslight us to death. And this is what this a couple things. Do not be intimidated by this. Look, it's scary. Democrats would, we already know what Democrats are capable of. They're capable of stealing an election. They're capable of Trump-Russia collusion, a hoax, a coup attempt. I mean, remember, remember right after, remember this, Captain, like a day or two, maybe it was a week, but I think it was just a couple days after Rand Paul recommended that Fauci be, he, he made, he recommended a criminal referral to the Justice Department, right? So Fauci repeatedly lied to Congress. 
And he's a corrupt individual who, by the way, just just to set the tone here. Well, let me just say what I was going to say first, I guess. So so after he made a criminal referral to the Justice Department in terms of Fauci, uh, his office in Kentucky was firebombed. Well, maybe it wasn't firebombed, but it mysteriously went up in flames. You think that was a coincidence? You think it's a coincidence that a day or two after Rand Paul says, hey, here's the criminal referral, his Kentucky office goes up in flames? I don't think so. These people are monsters. Get ready. And look, you know, I'm just telling you, next year, 2024, is going to be the most dangerous year of your life. It's going to most be the most dangerous year any of us have ever experienced who haven't gotten into combat. Just be prepared. Just be prepared. Because there's nothing the Democrats won't do in order to ensure that Donald Trump doesn't become president again. Another thing that's shocking, you just had, it was on Maria Bartiromo, Captain. Um, uh, Senator uh, Ron Johnson, I think he's out of Wisconsin. A sitting U.S. Senator, Republican, went on and admitted that what happened in 2020 with COVID was by design. He said a group of elites planned it ahead of time. And he referenced what we've, some of us are familiar with now, this, I don't remember what it's called, like a, you know, uh, it's like some sci-fi thing, Exercise 201 or whatever. But, it, you know, it was something that Gates and these people at the World Economic Forum were participating in, right? They It was a simulation, like Simulation 201. But they simulated the exact scenario that took place in 2020, years before 2020. So this thing was ready to go. And it was unleashed on the American people and the world. That's what a U.S. senator is saying. That's serious. And I can't believe that Americans are willing to, get to, to, to let that go still, Captain. The most disruptive event in all of our lives, we still don't have any answers. I mean, we, we, we know pretty much what happened intellectually, but we're not going to get certification, approval by the people that did it. It's like Joe Biden and the bribery. Well, they're not admitting that he took bribes, so he must not have taken bribes. But by the way, if you're just an honest, decent human being out there, put politics aside. I know that's impossible, but I say it occasionally just for fun. Here's a headline for you. Records reveal Fauci others made over $300 million from the COVID pandemic while Americans suffered. How so? How could this be? Well, according to records, the former NIH director, Dr. Francis Collins, and former NIAID director, Dr. Anthony Fauci, made huge profits from royalty checks during the Chinese virus-fueled pandemic. That's right. While tens of thousands, millions of Americans struggle to put food on the table. Well, um, Open the Books, a transparency organization, recently released over 1,500 unredacted records revealing the leaders of the country's National Institutes of Health and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases profited off the virus that killed millions of people. And of course, on top of that, Fauci funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology to research. the. So the records show Collins and Fauci got 58 royalty payments. <laughs> Unbelievable. Un unbelievable, got 58 royalty payments for allowing companies to use their COVID-19 vaccines. So in other words, the COVID pandemic was a big ploy for the government to get massively wealthy. Through the Freedom of Infor Information Act, 56,000 transactions were recorded, totaling over 325 million banked by the experts. Fauci received 37 payments from three entities, including 15 from Santa Cruz Biotechnology. Fauci also received 14 from Ancel Corp and eight from Chiron Corp. Fauci, of course, also had the high, was the highest paid federal worker with a salary of $480,000. And he didn't donate a single one of his royalties to charity as he promised to do. These people are disgusting human beings. They're human excrement. 
In other words, the person that was responsible for creating the virus that killed millions of Americans is the same person who profited and received millions of dollars for unleashing it. But Trump should be in prison. I mean, that's just beyond the pale. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'll get into the special account, uh, special counsel appointment in the Biden probe, which is a farce in a moment. But you know what? I just want to go off on a little tangent for a moment. And I just want to say something that all of you, all of you will certainly agree with. And that is the fact that we have a monarchy established in America. The government views itself in such a way. We are plebeians. We are subservient to the government. They care nothing for us. And in fact, their actions put us in danger. We have never experienced a situation like this in America to this extent where the, and look, I'm talking about Republicans too here, okay? But those in quote unquote power, they are totally out of touch. They don't want any association or relationship with their constituents. They live in palaces, if you will, that we built and pay for. And they hide in them. They use our taxpayer dollars to insulate themselves from having to speak to us, to be confronted by us. And it's backwards. You know, this government needs to fear the American citizen. I'm very serious. They do not. Instead, we are living our lives in fear of them. That's not how it's supposed to go in the United States of America. So buckle up, grow some cojones here, and let's get in tune with the founding fathers and the 1776 generation, because that's what's called on today. No, I'm not calling for violent insurrection. No, I'm not calling for violent revolution, but I am calling for an attitude change because these people can mistreat and abuse us all day long and there's no consequences. Fauci can become a millionaire off of a virus that impoverished millions of Americans. All right. Joe Biden can enrich himself to the tune of 20 million plus dollars by selling his country out, using his position as vice president and even before that as a senator and face no consequences. The Democrats can set up these fake grand juries and indict Donald Trump 600,000 times in an effort to put him in jail and prevent us from having a peaceful resolution to this, which is to actually show up and vote and end this anti-American tyranny that is proliferating in America, and they want to deprive us of that means. You may not even feel like this. You may have an endless appetite for abuse. But I am just telling you pragmatically that tens of millions of Americans do not have an endless appetite. They're already full. The buffet has filled them up. They can't take much more of this abuse. It's just the way things go. Humanity never changes. We think that we're so unique. We think that we're so evolved, and yet we're not at all. What's happening here right now in our own lives, in our own country, is the same thing that's happened to mankind since we've been on this earth. Vile tyrants who seek to subvert a populace for their own power. You don't have to understand it. I don't understand. I'm not that kind of person. I want to make money. I want to pay people. I want to help other people improve. I want to do what do, do good by my family and for my fellow citizens, but these people don't. They're monsters, and you have to understand that we live amongst monsters. So I think another $200 million was just uh, greenlit, approved, sent over to Ukraine today. But the good news is that Joe Biden has graciously offered a one-time, lifetime, $700 check per household affected by the Maui fires. Isn't that great news? Here's a $700 check. Meanwhile, all our money's going to Ukraine. 
I mean, I, I if this does if if Hawaii votes blue in 2024, I don't understand it. This is the treatment he gave East Palestine, Ohio. Remember East Palestine, Ohio? Right? The train derailment there. And then the governor, along with other government entities, made the brilliant, came up with the brilliant idea to blow it all up, to do a controlled burn, which, of course, polluted the environment. Toxic waste, chemicals into the air, into the water, and so on and so forth. And Joe Biden, to this day, has not visited East Palestine, Ohio. But he has been to Ukraine. Have you seen the videos too, Captain? It's hilarious out of, out of, out of Ukraine. All these uh, hot youngsters, boys, men, women, dancing in the clubs, at the beaches on vacation, walking around the, the capital and the cities. You know, you're safer, actually, if you live in Ukraine than you are in America if any kind of disaster comes. Because if you're in Ukraine and something happens, America will pay for everything you need. But if disaster strikes you in the United States of America, the United States government will turn its back on you. So, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden still has not commented on the fires that just devastated Maui. And I was in Maui right before the baby was born. Well, a few months before. And look, I'm not, I'm not one of the, look, you remember, you know, when, when the uh, Notre Dame burned and everybody was posting photos of them in Paris at one time in their life in front of Notre Dame as if it meant a hill of beans, like, oh, I'm so, but it, right. They didn't really care that Notre Dame burned. They were using it as an instance to promote themselves. Like, hey, I was at Notre Dame. Sorry, many of you were probably that person. We, you know, we, we, we do that, but that's what it is. It's a selfish act. So I'm not really engaging that by saying, I was in Maui. Oh, my God. Ma That's not what I'm saying. But if you have been to Maui, you understand how serious this fire was. Uh, Lahaina, uh, historic district there where you have, the, I think, the Bubba Gump uh, restaurant and so many other places, the famous banyan tree and all this. I mean, it's just gone. It's gone. Remarkably, though, one thing that didn't burn was uh, Oprah's house. So I'd li I just want to report that Oprah is fine. Uh, not a single blade of grass went up in smoke or flame. Uh, so that's, that's, that's good news. You know, thank God Oprah's okay. And her estate is okay as well. Her 200, 20, how many X amount of acres she has. But firstly, I'll just say this. Uh, this wasn't a, a natural phenomenon. Uh, this was uh, certainly man-made and it wasn't because of climate change. It was because of arson more than likely, or what they're trying to blame it on, which you know, it's like in California. Every time there's a wildfire, the the first person that they they try to blame. Sorry if you're watching. You know, I, you know when you get something in your eye, you get something in your eye, and I just I got I got to get it out. Um, you know, they always blame the electric company, right? They didn't turn off the power at the right time or whatever. I mean, if that's true, that's fine. But my point is, you know, the fires they had, I think, in 2020 or even last year, they were arson. The, the, here's the thing. The majority of the fires that take place, the wildfires that take place, they are man-made in the sense that it's because man does something stupid, right? And oftentimes it's actually arson itself. So, you know, I just, the, the question now is with the state of our government and their lack of, tr our lack of trust in them and the types of actions they're capable of, was this intentionally set for some other purpose. Now, people are floating ideas out there that this was part of, uh, well, certainly they'll use it to fuel the climate change agenda. But also, they're saying that, you know, this is an effort by the elites to buy the land, essentially steal the land from Native Hawaiians. Right? So they, they, everything's burnt. They have nothing left. They didn't have money to begin with. All they had was their land or their store or whatever else. And they don't have the money or resources to rebuild. So now somebody like Oprah can come in and say, hey, uh, I'll buy that 60 acres from you. I'll lowball you. You're so desperate for money, I'll even give you $600,000 when it would have gone for, you know, $40 million. And that's all the Hawaiians have, by the way. I mean, 
this isn't I'm, I'm not really giving a, a point of view on this but hawaiians can't afford to live in their own islands on their own islands anymore you know it's been totally bought up uh by yes mainly you know white americans plus barack obama by the way i haven't heard anything captain has the has america's first gay president who was born and raised in kenya i mean who was born and raised in hawaii has he has he come out and made a statement yet about this? I, I haven't seen anything about it. I guess his house is fine because it was on Kauai, I believe, is where his house is. But yeah, no no word from the first gay president. Huh. Fascinating stuff. Amazing, actually. Amazing. So, you know, Joe Biden, he wants to build housing for illegal immigrants at the border. He recently asked Congress for $40 billion for an emergency funding package. That's one way to tell illegals not to come, isn't it? Look, I'm really telling you not to come here, but if you do come here and illegally cross the border, we will give you housing. Some message. So, you know, 40 million for the illegals, for them to have housing, infinite money for the Ukrainians, no money for, the, for East Palestine, not even a visit, and Joe Biden can't be bothered to visit Maui either. Now, the senator, one of the senators in Hawaii, her name is Maisie Hirono. She is a biological woman, Maisie Hirono. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre, who is the press secretary, but of course is incapable of communicating, the dumbest individual ever historically to be the press secretary is Corrine Jean-Pierre. That is her legacy. I want you to hear, cue up cut one, Captain, I want you to hear Corrine Jean-Pierre. This is her talking about Maisie Hirono, who she calls Harino and thinks is a man. So this is your press secretary who doesn't know the sex of the, the, the Hawaiian senator she's speaking of and can't pronounce the name. So prepared is this administration. Don't you feel safe? Play it, Captain. Cut one. Senator Harino, who I said the president spoke to uh, just last night, he thanked the president uh, for the immediate support of federal agencies have delivered for residents of Hawaii, um, and so does has uh, so has uh, Senator Shorts Shorts Shorts. This is Senator Shorts Shot Shorts Shot Shot. I mean, look, if she's got a disability, just come out with it and let us know. You know, I mean, I, I, I Senator Shorts 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 Shorts. It's it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. Uh, and this is the thing. I mean, we, we understand more and more that we're being ruled by our inferiors. And this is what's so insane, right? How can somebody like this, how can somebody like this be the press secretary? How can somebody in stage, with stage five dementia be running the country, right? Joe Biden, he just went on a 14-day vacation. He just took a long weekend in uh, Rehoboth, Delaware, right? It is $5 million beach house. And he's getting ready to go to Tahoe, I believe, as well. Either being the, the president of the United States is the easiest job ever, or otherwise, this country is being run by a cabal in the shadows. Shocking, though. Harina. I mean, you know, Captain, it's like, how hard is it? I mean, you're the press secretary. You're reporting on, I, 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 you know, I mean, tragedy just struck Hawaii. You had a conversation or he had a conversation with a senator, Maisie Hirono. And you would think she, she doesn't know who it is. She doesn't know who the senator in Hawaii is. Hirono, Harino is not a mispronunciation. It's Hirono. I mean, pronounce it wrong, Hirano, Hirona, whatever, but it, it's Hirono, and it's a female. And she doesn't know that. She doesn't know. Unbelievable. This person should have been fired like the day she opened her mouth. Now, cue up cut two, Captain. This is our brilliant press secretary again, historic first, dumbest press secretary in American history. I want you to listen to her way with words. She's a, she's a poet. She's brilliant. I want you to hear how she describes the scene that we've all seen on our TV screens in Maui. Go ahead. Play cut two, Captain. 
uh, to support the people on the ground. It's been a devastating devastation, as we have seen. You've just mentioned uh, the loss of life. It's been a, it's been a devastating devastation. But we've all seen the devastating devastation. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I want to talk about this all day long because it's just beyond me that someone this stupid can be the press secretary. Now, Joe Biden, will he visit Maui? Cue up cut three, Captain. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre. And this is the thing, you know, the, the, the Biden administration is so callous. They hate you so much. And they hate you if you're in Maui so much. And they care so little about you. They give non-committal answers. And they just want you to forget about it. So they did this same little routine, the same play, the same strategy with East Palestine. Is he going to visit East Palestine? Well, I don't know. We're discussing it, but he really cares about them. And again, Joe Biden has not been to East Palestine. You know, Donald Trump ought to fly out to Maui. Donald Trump ought to take a trip to Maui and do what he did in East Palestine. Donald Trump should get on his Trump Force One or whatever he calls it, and he should fly to Maui. And he should get on the ground and he should help those people out. He already put out a statement today, Captain, two minutes or so, saying what a president should be saying right now. Joe Biden is not issued. He's not even addressed this. Do you remember George Bush and Hurricane Katrina? George Bush, it was not intentional. But it was certainly bad optics. He found himself on Air Force One flying over New Orleans, over Louisiana, in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina devastating Louisiana. And the media ripped his throat out for it, talking about how little he cared, how bad it looked, how dare he so callously fly over it without visiting Katrina? And you have Joe Biden, who's never visited any of these places. He'll go to Ukraine and meet with Vladimir Zelensky. But he will not go and meet with the people of East Palestine. He will not go and meet with the people in Maui who are devastated. He won't go anywhere where the American people need him. He won't go to San Francisco where federal employees have now been advised to work from home because it's not safe in the city. He's afraid of the American people. He's afraid of the American people. He wouldn't visit the border for two years to see the damage that he's responsible for until he finally organized a photo op after more than 7 million had already invaded in which they cleared out the entire location. What a legal immigration problem, right? The mayor already cleared out all the immigrants like a movie scene, like a movie set. Oh, look, it's clean. You could lick, I could lick my ice cream off the cement here in El Paso. So, yeah, so go ahead and play cut three. Here's the uh, rope-a-dope again. KJP, Kareem Jean-Pierre, asked if he'll be visiting Maui. Given what the administrator said about the perils of the president traveling to Hawaii now, um, does he want to travel there eventually to survey the damage and meet survivors? So obviously I don't have anything to announce at this time. Look, we're going to continue to have conversations with the administrator, certainly the governor in, in Hawaii. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We'll get right to that. You know, it's, it's tough. You know, his calendar is so full. It's so full with vacations that I just don't know if it's possible just to pencil a, a trip in right now. You know, he's got he's to go on vacation here and vacation there. It's just really not really a workable situation right now. Do you know what Biden's busy schedule was today? Today's Monday, right, Captain? Captain, I don't know about you, 
Well, you, you have, you know, six jobs, as do I. But I've been working since I woke up this morning very hard. I found some time out of my day. I've, uh, I've, been, I've been going to the gym like six days a week. And um, I went yesterday. And, and anyway, long story short, I just, it was like six days in a row and my body's just screaming at me. It's telling me, Drew, you need to, you need to take a, a rest day. And so the hour that I take and spend at the gym, I said, hey, because this is my life, right? When you're, when you're, when you're actually a, a highly productive American citizen who works hard and works in multiple careers and jobs, you actually have to become very efficient. So this is the way you look at the world. So I woke up and said, I'm not going to the gym today. That's an hour I would normally spend working out. So what do I want to spend that hour doing? Well, I'm going to go with my wife and my daughter, and we're going to go down to Gotts and sit outside. You know, you order at the window, and they call your name, and we're going to just have lunch together on a picnic table. And that's what I spent my hour doing, right? That's how I look at look my philosophy. And then I came back to work. And now we're doing the show. Well, Biden, this should bring you comfort because I know they like to say that being president, you know, it's the hardest job in the world, right? So you, you have to have respect for Biden because he's doing a job that you could not possibly do. And I could not possibly do. And you will not believe, believe what this guy has to do. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I Mondays are tough. I hate Mondays. The PR side of my job, right? I wake up, they're all East Coast time, and I got like missed interviews, or I got, you know, it's like the world has exploded every Monday. And that's cool. I don't, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit, but I don't really look forward to waking up on Monday because I know a bomb has exploded every Monday. And so just imagine what Biden's going through, like the rude awakening he gets when he comes back from Rehoboth from a long weekend at the beach while Maui's burning. And then he's got to deal with this schedule at the White House. So Biden today, while you'd been up for four or five or six hours working, well, he departed Rehoboth for the White House at 10.30 a.m. I mean, imagine that. He probably had to cut his breakfast short. I mean, Jill probably was putting the last spoonful of Gerber's, you know, whatever, child food, mashed potatoes in his mouth, and they were just changing his diaper, and they had to whisk him off to Air Force One at 10.30 a.m. And then, get this, I mean, it's not a long flight, but think about the rush. This guy's trying to get back in a working mindset after spending his entire presidency on vacation. 10.30, he hops on a flight to go back to work, and then, and then they hit him with a 1 p.m. lunch. He and Kamala Harris have lunch at 1 p.m. I don't wish that on anybody. Can you imagine having lunch with Kamala Harris? Maybe that's why his schedule ended after that. Because Lord knows, if you have lunch with Kamala Harris, you're puking for the rest of the day. So that's it. So we got on a flight at 1030 on a Monday, flew to the White House, and had lunch with Kamala Harris, and his day is over. The hardest working man in America, Joe Biden. Um, you know, some of the things Joe Biden has been doing, because, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due. You know, he's not, you know, a lot of people think he's not going to be running for president. They think it's all a sham. They're waiting to put Michelle Obama in there or somebody else. Well, Biden is attending kind of quietly a few fundraisers here and there. And he's at least telling the truth at these fundraisers, the same truth he's not telling the American people. In fact, at a fundraiser in New Mexico on Tuesday, this will be last Tuesday, Biden talked about the Inflation Reduction Act. And it's crazy because, right, like the Inflation Reduction Act is supposed to reduce inflation. Isn't that what they keep telling us and also not telling us? But anyway, that's what we're supposed to believe. Well, it's weird because Joe Biden, according to the transcript from this uh, fundraiser, he told the fun, he told these, these attendees, we also decided that my, one of my passions since I've been in, since the eighties was the environment. Well, we've put ourselves in a position where we passed the most comprehensive environmental piece of, it's called the inflation reduction act. 
it's within that. It has nothing to do with inflation. It has to do with the inaudible. Four, 600, excuse me, 368 billion, the single largest investment in climate change anywhere in the world. Anywhere, no one has ever, ever spent that, and it's beginning to take hold. Doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy if you're an American citizen out there? He's going behind your back, behind closed doors, after telling you that we had to address inflation and the Inflation Reduction Act was going to bring down inflation, which we know it hasn't done because the last report is that inflation is going back up. Well, he's telling the fundraisers that he lied to your face. That it's, it was called the Inflation Reduction Act, but it has nothing to do with inflation. So that's your lying POS excrement president of the United States who's not really running anything. Cue up cut four, Captain. The most compassionate president in our lifetimes, Joe Biden, God bless him, cares so much for the American people. Well, look, he is now three times, by my count, said he has no comment on Maui. Now, this is him over the weekend, riding his bike as he likes to do, when he's not falling off it, that is. This is him just riding his bike while Maui's on fire. And he just passes a group of reporters. Play cut for it. You know, if, if you're watching, it really hits home more. But here he is. Birds are chirping in the background. Greenery behind him. He's on a nice path. He's got his Secret Service riding around him. Not a care in the world. While now he's burning. Play cut for Captain. Go. Makes you sick. Mr. President, are you going to take questions on Maui? Can you come talk about Maui? Can you come talk about Maui, Mr. President? Uh, they should be erecting gallows right now to deal with uh, what he's done to the country. And I'm serious, and I don't care anymore. Uh, no, I'm not um, threatening to kill the president of the United States. I'm telling you that if he committed treason, which is what he actually did, uh, the, the, the price to pay for that is your life. Get comfortable with the way this talking points go, because this is the gravity of the situation we're in. You know, I mean, it's just, I don't know what to tell you. It's like... Yeah, I can't put my head in the sand, Captain. I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, can we not talk about this, about death penalties, about history? I mean, what are we supposed to do? Pretend like everything's hunky-dory? So, you know, I just want to address the appointment of David Weiss as the special counsel, right? By Merrick Garland. So you have the... You have Congress, right? We have the House Oversight Committee, led mainly by James Comer, who's done a bang-up job, a bang-up job delivering the goods to the American people, tracking down the bank accounts, tracking down the payments from foreign governments and entities to the Biden crime family. You've had him track down the witnesses, the FD-1023 forms, the confidential human sources who testified and laid out the bribery scheme that Joe Biden has been involved in. You have him basically making a case. I mean, you think about it. You think about it. The case they're trying to present to these grand juries to put Trump in jail, there is no case. There's no evidence. There's no crime. And yet they're getting indictments against Donald Trump. And yet here we have the clearest, easiest, black and white, simple, laid out in front of us case of the most corrupt and worst president in American history. And you have them lying on TV still about Biden not having any involvement. And of course, shifting the goalposts time and time again. But cue uh, up, cut five, Captain. I I'll play, I'll let Matt Gates. Matt Gates. You know, in the 30-second 30, 30 show or so, he was on Rob Schmidt. He addressed what's going on. He's absolutely right. Before I get to that, I'll give credit where credit's due. Um, you know, Andrew McCarthy, who I really 
don't have much love for these days because of his positions with regard to just turning his back on Trump and lying about his former positions and so on and so forth. The guy's a never-Trumper, and he does not want Trump to be president again. Fine, whatever. But, you know, he's, he's, he's given up some principle on that ground, and he'll say things that aren't necessarily true either. But here he is right again. He wrote a piece at National Review, and he made a couple points. I mean, the headline says it all. The Garland special counsel appointment in the Biden probe is a farce. Now, remember what happened here, and you probably heard about this 10 different ways from 10 different people, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Merrick Garland has decided to put a special counsel, to appoint a special counsel to oversee the Biden investigation. Interesting timing, right? As James Comer and the House Oversight Committee dig up all the dirt, now he wants to take the case away from them and give it to David Weiss, who's a guy who's been a useful idiot for the Democrats in covering up and getting a sweetheart deal for Hunter Biden in the first place. And they'll tell you all day long, oh, well, you know, David Weiss, he's a Trump appointee. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. He served at the pleasure of the DOJ. He worked for Merrick Garland, and he still works for Merrick Garland. Now, two things here. Firstly, Attorney General Merrick Garland's appointment of the Biden Justice Department's Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, it's not just a joke, it's a violation of the DOJ's own regulations. Weiss is an official of the government and the Biden Justice Department. So, you know, obviously the whole point of a special counsel is to appoint somebody who is not only outside the Justice Department, but outside the government to oversee the case. An independent special counsel. This is not independent, and it's certainly not special. So, as Section 600.3 of the regulation states, without ambiguity, the special counsel shall be selected from outside the United States government. So, there you go. So, already a sham, and they want you to believe you know, they're, they're doing the right thing here. And he points out Weiss has all along compliantly acted as the vehicle by which the Biden Justice Department protects the president and thus the president's son from a credible investigation. And he goes through point after point about how Weiss is corrupt, a corrupt fool who's doing the bidding of Merrick Garland. And you all know that. I mean, if you've listened to the show, we've gotten into that. But, um, Here's the key, and, and you know, Gates is going to drive this home in a second, but why are they doing this? It's very simple. Special counsels get to write a final report, and that's supposed to have gravity. So Weiss's appointment, as McCarthy says, writes, is designed to allow David Weiss to write a report that says, President Biden had no involvement in the years-long Biden family influence peddling scheme of profiting from his power. That's all that's going on here. It's like the Mueller investigation. The difference here, of course, is that there is evidence of Biden crimes. But remember the Mueller report, right? The special counsel was brought in, investigated, and determined what? There was no evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. That's what Mueller determined because we know there was no evidence because the Clinton campaign and the DNC invented it per the Steele dossier. PP tape and so on and so forth. But still, Democrats claim today that Trump colluded with Russia. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter what you say. I mean, you put the lie out there, and they believe it. As a matter of fact, before I play Gates here, Captain, pull up uh, photo one. Pull up photo one, just to make my point about how Democrats get away with this. And these juries are making decisions based on lies. Based on lies. So if you'll recall, so this is, I'm reading from the Washington Post. Now, remember, a lot of this case going on in Georgia deals with a conversation that Trump and his legal team had with uh, the Georgia Secretary of State about evidence of election meddling in Georgia. And the Washington Post put out a story falsely accusing Trump of telling them to find the fraud and telling these people they would be national heroes if they did find the fraud, and so on and so forth. But the Washington Post put out a correction and admitted they lied. Here's here's what it says, if you're just listening. 
two months after public, so two months after the Washington Post lied, right? Two months after publication of this story, the Georgia Secretary of State released an audio recording of President Donald Trump's December phone call with the state's top elections investigator. The recording revealed that the Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call based on information provided by a source. Oh, yes, the anonymous source that they use all the time to smear. So it goes on. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, asserting she would find dishonesty there. All right, pull it down, Captain. But do you understand there? Understand that the Democrats that are prosecuting this, these very Democrats, uh, they're the individuals who believe that Donald Trump told her to find the fraud or find, you know, I mean, this is what we're dealing with. Crooks, total crooks. And what's amazing too about this is that the Trump indictment happening in Georgia is essentially, well, they're indicting him for citing data from a PhD vetted study to challenge election fraud, right? So the, the, the absurdity of all of this is that according to these indictments, right? Like in uh, this, like out of, uh, sorry, out of uh, DC. This is not the Georgia one, but, but this does relate back to what's going on in Georgia too, because you can't discount what's happening with Tanya Chutney, AKA, actually I, I joke and call her Chutney. Okay, so we got an update. So the grand jury, this is in Georgia, Captain. The grand jury has handed down 10 indictments waiting words from the court clerk. What words do we need? They already posted it this morning. Just put it back up on the court website. We've already seen it. You already told us what they were going to be. So just think about all this. All this is a bunch of BS. So the indictment in DC with Tanya, what's her actual name? I call her Chutney. Chutkin, I think, is her actual name anyway. Oh yeah, you got that one, right, Captain? Did I, did I send you that one? Oh, yeah, okay. I just want to remind you, this is the grand jury for pronoun. This is the person who is leading the grand jury and who, of course, is involved in indicting Trump. Listen, here we go. This is what is indicting Trump. Go ahead and play it, Captain personally want to hear from the former president. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Captain, how would you like for your life to be determined by someone as brilliant as that? Someone he uses the word, I just thought it would be so cool. I thought it would be so cool to tell Donald Trump, to see him in his face and say, Kaha. I mean, this is the crap. I mean, th- th- this is the, the state of the American electorate as well, though, right? People like this, who've gone through the public education system and even college education system and say, hee, 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 I thought it would be so cool to just bring Trump in. It'd be so cool. Don't you know? Yeah, it's really cool to engage in seditious conspiracy, which is what the Democrats are actually responsible for, not us. But anyway, this piece goes on. So Trump's conversation with uh, Georgia and all these people, they're, they're claiming in these indictments that Trump lied because he was notified repeatedly that his claims were untrue. And so the indictment creates the impression that Trump is just inventing figures out of thin air. But in reality... His figures are from rigorously documented studies that were vetted by two PhD scholars published by the research institute, Just Facts. So in DC, for example, and you're seeing what just took place here in Georgia, it's the same kind of thing. Well, the DC-based grand jury indicted Trump in part for citing a factual study instead of claims from people the jury deems to be reliable. In other words, the jury disagrees with the source. It's, a, it's an opinion dispute. And because they disagree, they're going to indict. 
And these jurors were drawn from, obviously, the most egregiously Democrat-dominated jury pool in America, which is Washington, D.C., where 92% of the population voted for Joe Biden. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, this is a four pages here, but, you know, this is a Ph.D. study. Uh, you know, it includes a video of Democratic California Senate leader Kevin DeLeon stating in 2017 that anyone who has family members who are undocumented knows that almost entirely everybody has secured some sort of false identification. I mean, you've got court cases and so on and so forth. They back up Trump's allegations that fraud would have taken place with these mail-in ballots. And, you know, the fact checkers couldn't dismiss any of this, even though they tried. But again, you know, the indictment alleges that Trump directed his supporters to the Capitol to obstruct the presidential certification proceeding on January 6th. The supposed proof is that he told them to fight like hell, march to the Capitol and show Congress the kind of pride and boldness they need to take back our country. And yet, of course, they omitted, right? Jack Smith omitted the important point that Donald Trump told them to go to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. So anyway, it's just absolute abject corruption happening right now. And I don't know. I mean, I don't put anything past him anymore, Captain. I mean, they want to they want to muzzle him. This is election interference, obvi interference, obviously. And you know what? They're bleeding his campaign dry with finances. The amount of money he's having to spend and the time he's having to spend with lawyers and legal fees is taking away from his ability to run for president. And he's still doing the best he can. But, you know, pull, pull up photo two real quick, Captain. This is the D.C. judge, right? Tanya Chutney, I call her. So this is the person that's overseeing the grand jury there uh, that already released their indictments or got, got the indictments. This is what she said back uh, in, uh, well, it was filed in February 21st of this year. She's on record saying, I see the videotapes, I see the footage of the flags and the signs that people were carrying and the hats they were wearing and the garb. And the people who mobbed the Capitol were there in fealty and loyalty to one man, not to the Constitution, of which most of the people who come before me seem woefully ignorant, not to the ideals of this country and not to the principles of democracy. It's a blind loyalty to one person who, by the way, remains free to this day. So you have an individual who obviously is biased. She believed that Donald Trump should be in prison. And coincidentally, she's the judge put in charge of overseeing the grand jury that indicted Trump for January 6th. And you hear the Democrats talk about conflicts of interest with Supreme Court justices. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I mean, we are living in a banana republic right now. This is what used to happen in the South, by the way. The Democrats have never changed. In the South, right, the Democrats like to talk about Emmett Till. Emmett Till had his eye gouged out. He was murdered by white people in the South. And then he was tried before a jury of whites. And the murderers were tried uh, amidst a, a jury of white peers, racist peers in the South, right? And what did the jury dis determine? Despite the fact that they knew that these white men had gouged out this young boy's eyes and murdered him? shot him, etc. Well, they unanimously found them not guilty. So, you know, when you have corruption like this, you can achieve whatever result you want. And that's what's happening here today. Democrats are giving Donald Trump the Emmett Till treatment. False allegations before a jury of corrupted human beings, all ideolo ideologically in line with one another, overseen by partisan hacks like Jack Smith and partisan judges who want to not see justice served, but ensure that a corrupt outcome is achieved. And that's what they're doing here. So I don't know how much more of this we can take, Captain. But anyway, all right, well, this has been a heck of a show. This is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. Actually, Let's close with the Gates clip. Let's close with it. It's 30 seconds. Let's close it. Gates, Gates can close us out strong today. I really like this guy. Man, he's bright.
and articulate. Play cut five, Captain, go. The game you are watching is not the game that is actually being played. The Biden Justice Department would want you to believe that the appointment of someone from inside the Biden Justice Department in violation of law, as you pointed out, is somehow a basis to move the ball forward on investigating the Bidens. The reality is they are going to use this to try to cloak all of the activities, not only of the Bidens, but of the Justice Department itself in this ongoing investigation uh, type of exemption from congressional oversight. So, I think that's perfect. Remember this. The game you're watching is not the game being played. They say they're fighting for democracy. They're not fighting for democracy. They're fighting to reestablish tyranny and despotism in America. They aren't fighting for justice. They're fighting for injustice. Okay? All of this stuff, gaslighting the American people. So keep your head up. We'll be back again this week, maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. I'll talk to Captain about it, but keep your eye out. All right, God bless you all. This is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. Until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Allen. As Drew Allen. Conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.